Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guests today are among the greatest songwriters and producers of all time. It's not negotiable. Just look at the stats. Together, they've written 31 top 10 hits, including 16 number ones. And these are songs that have become part of popular culture. Tracks with Janet Jackson like Control, Nasty, What Have You Done For Me Lately, Together Again, and All For You. Then there's Boys to Men's Four Seasons of Loneliness and On Bended Knee. Human by Human League, they've worked with everyone from Michael Jackson and Gwen Stefani to New Edition and Chaka Khan. But now they're stepping out in front for the first time. On July 9th, they released Jam and Lewis Volume 1, their debut album under their own name. It features help from up-and-comers like, oh, Mariah Carey, Usher, Babyface, Tony Braxton, Mary J. Blige, maybe you've heard of them. Like their home state of Minnesota, they are cooler than cool. I am so happy to welcome two music legends, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Jimmy, Terry, thank you so much for taking the time today. This is such an honor. I, I owe you every every high school dance I've ever had, thanks to you, I should say. <laughs> it's such an honor to be speaking to you. You've given me so much joy over the years. Oh, thank you. Well, we'll try to do nothing yeah. to ruin that now. <laughs> I, I don't worry. My hopes are very high. You you have your debut solo album due out, Jam and Lewis, Volume One. In some ways, it's been in the works for thirty five years now. Can you tell me a little bit about the uh, the genesis of the album? The origin of the Jam and Lewis album actually started yeah thirty five years ago, uh, the same year that we were working on an album that uh, ended up becoming Control for Janet. And uh, really, we had started you know working on tracks for our album. 
And then we got the call from a John McClain at AM Records, who was the AR person, and he said, Hey, who do you want to work with on our roster? And we looked at the roster and we said, Oh, Janet, we want to do Janet. And he said, You want to do a couple songs? We said, No, we want to do the whole album. And he said, Oh, okay, cool. So anyway, Janet came to Minneapolis. We started working. When we were done, at least what we thought we were done with the album, we had John come up and we played him control and nasty and when i think of you and pleasure principle and funny out time flies and let's wait a while and we're thinking we're done we're good and like all a and r people he goes i just need one more like, what <laughs> the one more I just need one more always one more right and we're like no nah, forget you so anyway we hop in the car we're gonna go grab a bite to eat terry puts in a cassette so now this dates us 35 years ago he puts in a cassette of tracks we were working on for the jam and lewis album and about the third track in john mcclain goes wait that's the one I need for Janet. We said, what are you talking about? He said, no, I need that track for Janet. Play it for her, and if she likes it, give it to her. And we're like, oh, you're just giving our songs away now. Okay, fine. So the next day we go to the studio. We just turn the song on. We didn't say we were going to play or anything. We put the song on, and we watch Janet. And Janet's kind of looking at the TV, and then she kind of puts her head down, and she starts bopping a little bit. She walks to the door. She points at me and Terry. When the song goes off, she goes, who's that for? And we said, well, you if you want it. And she said, oh, I want it. That song became What Have You Done For Me Lately. So it ended up being the single that launched her career and basically ended ours, at least as artists, and got us into writing and production. So that's the, why it's been a 35-year journey. And over the years going forward, we would do songs with artists and we'd say, hey, we want to do something for our Jam and Lewis album. And they'd go, yeah, great, great. And then when the song would be done, they'd go, oh, no, I got to keep this for myself. <laughs> So about four years ago, we finally got selfish. We were going in the Songwriters Hall of Fame and we were on the red carpet and a couple of reporters said, what is it that you guys haven't done that you guys still want to do? And we looked around on the red carpet and standing a few feet down from us was Babyface. And we looked at Babyface and we said, well, we never got around to finishing anything with Babyface, working on something with Babyface. And then we said, and we never got around to doing our album. And the third thing we said was we never got around to actually touring, playing our own songs. So those were kind of the three things on our checklist that we had never gotten around to doing. And then through kind of, you know, weird circumstances and different things, we finally just decided let's be selfish and let's just do our record. And so Babyface was one of the first people we reached out to. We put our wish list together. And, you know, that was kind of the journey of the album and why it took so long to do. And finally, we were just like, we're keeping the songs for ourselves, you know. At one point in time, I think we were thinking of calling the album something like songs we were keeping for ourselves or something <laughs> like that, you know, because really that's what it is. That's what these songs are. Are there any songs on this new album that date back to, to 1986? I don't think there's any that date back to 86. That not that far. But, you know, certainly we have like a, a book of titles or now an iPhone of titles that might date back that far that we pull ideas from in terms of just con concepts to write from. So the base of those things could possibly be, and certainly a lot of inspirations probably date back that far. You mentioned Babyface. I, I love the track that you did with him. He don't know nothing about it. Uh, tell me about the, the background behind that song. It's, it's such a great track. Well, really, the concept with really all the artists on the album is really to make, if you said the artist's name, what should that song sound like? And I remember with Babyface, it was interesting because we just wanted to make the most Babyface sounding record we could possibly do. And the feeling we wanted to try to give people was, we call it nostalgia. It's that idea of hearing something new, which is exciting. 
but it's familiar and makes you feel good and comfortable, right? It's like, it's almost like something you, you're hearing something new for the first time, but it feels like something you've heard before or like meeting an old friend for the first time or something. I, I don't know, there's different ways to kind of analogize it, but that's kind of the, the idea of it. So when you hear the Babyface record, to us, it sounds like a baby, you know, it sounds like a Babyface record. And I remember somebody, when we when they first heard it said, you know, wow, uh, it doesn't sound like a Jam and Lewis record. And we said, well, what does it sound like? And they said, it sounds like a Babyface record. And we said, exactly. So it's not, you know, I think they took it as like a, like it wasn't a compliment. We took it as a total compliment because as writers and producers, that's what we've always tried to do is make the artists sound like the be their best self. And with Babyface, it was really cool because when we, first of all, we got a chance to do, to start working on it pre-COVID. So we actually got to sit in the studio together and actually write and, and record and do all that kind of in person, which was which was great. But then, you know, Babyface allowed us to produce the song rather than him producing it. So it made for an interesting thing when he finally heard the finished version of the song, he just said, man, that sounds really good. And we said, oh, thanks. And he said, no, that sounds really good. And we said, you're Babyface. What do you think it's going to sound like? But sometimes the artists forget, they kind of forget who they are, like why they're so great. But with him, I, we also realized that because he's so meticulous about doing everything himself, he never gets to hear himself in a fresh mm. new way. So the fact that he just handed the song off to us and said, go ahead and finish it. He didn't know the choices we were going to make of which vocal to use, which guitar part to use, which he didn't know. But when he heard it, he was pleasantly surprised. So I got I think he got a chance to hear himself and, and in a way fall back in love with himself again, which was very important for us, really with all the artists, but particularly with, with Babyface. Now you mentioned saying, you know, you, you want a song to sound like the best version of, of that artist. How do you do that? Do you put yourself, do you sort of put your fan hat on and think, okay, I'm really a fan of this artist. What would I want? Is that, how do you approach that? That's, that's exactly how we approach it. We are fans, you know, friends and fans of these artists first. And then, you know, you just imagine like, what would I want to hear this particular artist sound like? What song would I want to hear? And then we try to go for that concept. And then from there, you know, just hearkening back to like the history of it, you've heard great performances from all of these artists. So we just try to make sure that we are in the ballpark. Let's get great performances so that it takes you to the place that you feel like you're where you were, but you're in a whole new space. Because like Jam said, the nostalgia of it is comfortable, but new. And so I think everybody gets that, that smile that you just had. Just like that. We, we try to go for that. It makes you just feel good. It's, it's that, that warm feeling, that warm and fuzzy. Jordan, you said something too that, makes, that, that, that is absolutely right. We basically, this is a very selfish record. This is a record we made for ourselves, and we just hope everybody agrees. You know, we made it for ourselves. We made the records we wanted to hear these artists do. Simple as that. And, and, and hopefully people just agree with that and go, oh, yeah, that's I agree. That's what I want to hear. You know, so it's yes. very selfish of us. There's a great story you've told about uh, working with, with Janet Jackson on, I think it was Control, where for the first five days you were just talking. And she said, well, when are we going to get started? And you said, well, we did. And you showed her the lyrics to, I think it was Control, saying based on what you'd been talking about and how you kind of sort of got into her mind in a lot of ways. What is that pre-process like? That, that period for Janet, for example, when you're sort of getting inside an artist, how do you know, how do you cast a song, I guess is the question. Very interesting that you put it that way. I mean, it's an interesting process. It's the, kind of the psychology, psychiatry of, of, of human, yeah. uh, of humanities. Like, 
to understand or at least listen to what a person's feeling in their deepest feelings and then convert that into song. We always say what comes from the heart reaches the heart. So if, if it comes from their deepest places in their mind and their soul, when they deliver it, it's certainly going to touch anyone that comes in contact with it. So we just like to just be in there weaving, I guess, tailoring, I guess we call it, with songsmith smithing and just the personalities of people. We just like to play with that because it just it's a, just an interesting place to be. And as opposed to writing a song that comes out, like certainly I can write a concept that comes out of my mind, but it comes out a lot better when I integrate that artist's feelings about that concept. And so we always try to include those things. We're always aware also that the artist has to, re you know, they have to perform these songs for the rest of their life. If, mm -hmm. if they hit, you know, big, you know, at that point in time, obviously, as writers and producers, when the song leaves the studio, it's done and we move on to the next thing. For them, it's just the beginning of the journey. They have to talk about it. They have to learn it, rehearse it, make videos for it. We want to make sure that that song really means something to the artist, that it, that it really resonates with them. And with Janet, it was cool because when she her eyes just lit up when she saw kind of the lyrics to control she just said, well, wait, this is exactly what we've been talking about. And we said, yeah. And she says, whatever we talk about, that's what we're going to write about. And it's like, yeah. And then she was like, well, I don't want to write about this. I want to write about this. And it got her excited about becoming a, a songwriter because we included her in the process mm -hmm. of actually creating the songs. And But that was always our philosophy, like, like Terry said, tailoring, almost like tailoring a suit. You get what people like, the color, the lapel they like, the, you know, and all that. And now they have something that they can wear that only fits them. It's custom made for them and not everybody can wear it. I think that's kind of the philosophy production one. Here's a question, and I guess there's no easy answer. Huh? What is it about music that makes it such an effective conduit for emotion? It just reaches straight into your soul. It's, yeah. it's the universal language. It's, we, we call it the divine art. It's the divine art. And if you think about it, a couple of things come to mind. One is it's time travel. So if I said to you, uh, you know, Jordan, in 1985 on this day, what were you doing or whatever, you know, just pick a year and you could probably kind of piece it together in your mind, you know, well, I might've been going to this school or I might've been, you know, whatever it was that was happening in your life. If I play a song from 1985 or a day in 1985, you remember everything about it. Yeah. Remember, you know, you might, it might be the girl you're dating. It might be whether it's a prom, whether it's, you know, Oh, I'm in my car driving, with the top down or I'm at my parents' house or I'm whatever. And you not only remember it, you remember the smell of the food that's cooking that day. You you're there. Sounds of the right. You're there. Okay. That's divine. Okay. That's divine. And also think about now in the days of Zoom where we're doing everything on Zoom screens. So I know you've been on Zoom screens with a ton of people, right? And you look on a Zoom screen and you see young, old, black, white, male, female, you, you see every different people on there, right? Maybe even some people where they don't even speak English necessarily. So you may not understand what they're saying. If I put a beat on, everybody's going like this at the same time, that it's that uniting thing. So I always say the zoom screen is like a quilt. Music is the thread. So that's what it is. I mean, it's very simply the divine art and it speaks, it's God's language to me. It's the, it's the language that God speaks to all of us, which is why we all understand it. That's why we all understand it. Yeah, and it's, and it's biblical as well like that. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The mystery of music's always fascinated me. I mean, you think about, you see in ancient cultures, you see remnants of instruments. This is back when we were just struggling to be able to eat. You know, this was clearly something that wasn't just, you know, for fun. This was a primal need that we needed for some reason. And even though we don't necessarily can't totally articulate why, I think it's it's proof positive that this is something that we as humans need in our lives. Right? That's a, a beautiful way you expressed it. Yeah, well, silence is scary. And there's, <laughs> and there's, there's music in everything that happens in life. There's a rhythm when you hear the birds tweet. There's a melody with it. Uh, there's, you know, if you hear a tractor trailer or a car going by, there's a rhythm that... There's, there's always music in everything. We just desire as humans to hear that and to feel that. that that's the thing that connects us to nature. We love to hear the brook babbling in the background and the squirrels running up the tree is like we love all that kind of stuff it's just nature it's it's part of humanity and uh, and the one thing i'll add to that is we always talk about you know how in schools are taking music out of schools yeah if you remember when you're a kid the way you learn your alphabet you don't learn it a b c d nobody lines up the letters and goes (laughs) learn these in order but as soon as you put a melody to it as soon as you go a b c d e f g now you remember it 
So why would the very root of tools that you use to learn the alphabet, would you then go to school and go take music out of schools? Because that is the way that you learn. It's the reason yeah. why, you know, a kid can't do an essay, but he'll sing three minutes of, of any rap song out, totally memorized. Yeah. So it just, you know, it, it's just kind of interesting to me. But once again, I just, I go back to what we originally said. It's the divine art. A beautiful way to put it. I guess the flip side of that, my question too, and I, I, I'm fascinated to hear your response to this. Two people who have, I think, by my count, over 100 top 10 songs. What do you do on the days when the music's not coming? How do you push through that when you're, you're, you're stuck at a point when you're working on a song? How do you, how do you persevere? Do you, do you walk away from it and get away from it? Is it just willpower and plow through? What, what do you do when, uh, when you hit a, a musical problem? Well, Jordan, I don't think there's a day that the music doesn't come. It's just that all those music that comes is not great. <laughs> there's always music and there's always inspiration. Sometimes there's better inspiration and better music. You know, I tell my wife that all the time. It's like, sometimes you just have to wait 18 hours to get that two hours, in, you know, that you're inspired to do something. But you mm -hmm. have to sit there and put the time in to get to that two hours. You never know when it's going to come. It might come the first hour, but it you might know, be the last hour. You just don't know. Well, the other thing, too, is that we being a team makes it easier because I go through periods where I may not be inspired or I may not feel I'm coming up with any good ideas. And then but Terry will inspire something like Terry will have an idea or mention something. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's really cool. And then it works both ways, you know, where that sometimes that happens. You know, it's interesting. I remember when we were working, this is a while back, I think about Alexander O'Neill or something we were working on. And Terry couldn't figure out a lyric. And we worked and worked and worked, couldn't figure it out. And Terry went to like the amusement park or something. Or he went to Disneyland yeah, went to Disney. somewhere. He went to Disney and he came back with a million ideas because he wasn't thinking about it. So we're kind of aware that that is kind of the way that, that it happens. But there was a, a Terry, talk about the um, Usher, the, uh, the significance in Usher in our, in our lives. Oh, yeah. Well, Usher, especially for me, and I'll tell you, I went through a period of time where I thought that artists didn't really care about music anymore. And it just didn't feel inspiring to me. So I remember going to the studio one night and sitting down in Jam's office and he had chairs, but I sat on the floor because I felt that low. I just, my battery was just drained. I hated to do it, but I had to tell him, hey man, I, I, I'm not feeling this anymore. It's like, I, I feel like I'm tapped out. I don't, I'm not inspired. Nothing that anyone says or does makes me feel like I want to do music. And Jam said, well, I really don't feel like that. So I said, well, hey, man, I'll just keep pushing as far as I can, you know, but I just want to let you know. And along came Usher. We were doing the project with Usher and we started working and Usher showed me that he was so into being great. He wanted to sing better. He wanted to write better. He wanted to learn. And he was so involved in that process that it inspired me to want to be part of that process again. And basically he restarted my inner, my energy and my engine again. And, and he pulled me into the next, however long I'll feel like this, but that inspiration is so important. And just to be able to work with people who inspire you and pull you and push you to do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. That's a great story and a real story for me because I, I got to a place where I felt like I always feel like there's something different. And I think all these experiences that we go through right now in, in music is preparing us for whatever else we do in life. Although music will always be a part, that energy and that knowledge base is going to actually propel us into something else 
and be the base of that. So I don't know what that is, but here, here we are. I, I'm, I'm totally excited. I, I love the journey and I hope I never arrive at the destination because then I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> so as long as the journey's going on, I'm in. Somebody asked us, they said, you know, what if, what if you guys like write the perfect song or you guys have the perfect <laughs> thing? And it's like, well, then we're done. So I guess we're going to keep trying to do it, but we hope we actually never get there. Cause yeah. yeah, it's like that, that, that people say that first high that you chase, you know, <laughs> you get to the first high you get, it's just the perfect high. and You just want that high again. Yeah. Well, I, I hope I, I never get that because I don't, <laughs> I, I just like the consistency of all of it. It's, it's beautiful. Warm for a long time is our, is our motto. Yes. That's what, when we did our very first interview, our kind of local boys make good interview uh, in Minneapolis after Control came out and the first question the interviewer asked us, he said, you guys are the hottest producers. How does it feel to be the hottest producers? And we said, we don't really want to be the hottest producers. We just want to be warm for a long time. And then 30 years <laughs> after that, so five years ago when Unbreakable came out, when the Janet album Unbreakable came out, I remember we talked with the same, the same gentleman. His name's John Bream, by the way. He's still at the same uh, Star Tribune, which is a local Minneapolis paper. And he said, wow, he said, you guys realize you've had number one records in four decades now in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. How's it feel to have another number one record? And we just said, remember what we told you that first interview? He said, what's that? I said, warm for a long time. And he laughed. But I said, that's, that's really been our philosophy, you know, and the decision making process that, that we've gone on. How do you stay warm for a long time? I just think you make you make decisions. You you don't chase. I, I think we've never chased. We've never really tried to chase trends. We're very aware of of things that are musically around us. We never ever shut down. I remember back in the day because we when I say back in the day, I'm I'm talking 30, 35 years ago when sampling first started. And I remember people always used to ask us about sampling and they'd go, oh, you guys would never sample, right? That's, that's, you know, that's cheating or that's whatever. It Beethoven is. would never sample. Yeah, Beethoven would never, would never sample. And I'm like, no, Beethoven <laughs> was an innovator. I said, people that were innovative in making music, they were trying to figure out ways to doctor the, 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 key, the keys or the hammers that hit the strings on the piano to give different sounds, which is why you end up with harpsichords and all kinds of different things. Synthesizers were no different. And then sampling technology was no different. But what I loved about sampling personally was one, it was the foundation of hip hop music, which we love hip hop music. The other thing is, you know, as a tool to uh, bridge generations together, there's nothing like hearing a sample of a song that you go, I mean, we, we did, um, I remember 20 years ago, it was all for you with Janet. And I remember we sampled a song called The Glow of Love, which was Change. And it was a song that I played as a DJ back in the day. Yes, the and, and I always thought, man, that would be cool to, to sample that. And we sampled that song. And I remember Janet walking into the studio and she loved it, but she had never heard the original song. So for her, it was a brand new song that she was loving. But I remember Shawnette, one of her dancers, heard it and said, oh, Luther Vandross, I remember this. I love this song. And I knew that, OK, so if someone that's never heard the sample loves it and somebody that remembers the sample loves it, that's how you bring people together. And it was the same thing with Ventura Highway used in um, Someone to Call My Lover yeah. or, uh, or Rhythm Nation, which was Sly and the Family Stone. Thank you. You know. So we've always embraced the technology, the idea that, you know, just moving forward and staying fresh and being aware of ideas that are out there. But then we always try to remember then the kind of the musical roots of, you know, melody, great melodies, great lyrics and, and all those things. So we've always kind of combined the two things and our era that we've come up with in is great. We started with analog tape. 
You know, we went through, um, you know, digital tape, which we never really messed with a whole lot. Terry got into like uh, computer stuff really early as far as the, the, the digital workstations on computers, which I thought was crazy because I was like, this sounds terrible and this will never work. This will never work. And of course, now we live in a day where everything is like that. And our album is a great hybrid of the Babyface song, which was analog tape, the Mariah song, which was pretty much done in my laptop. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of runs the gamut of, of, of everything technologically also. That was what I was going to ask you. I mean, this new record, it's like a great Quincy Jones record. It's a collection of all your incredible songs done by a collection of all these amazing singers, but with all these different voices and textures and styles, I was blown away by how unified it sounded. Was that a challenge to, to keep it all sounding cohesive, I guess is the word? Well, to use Terry's analogy of, of, of a tailor, the thing is, as I said, you know, you can make a suit for somebody, right? And they're going to pick you know, I like black or I like, a you know, this kind of stitch or I like this kind of lapel or three button or four button or double breasted or you can do that. Right. But the thing that's going to remain the same is the actual tailor that's making the suit. So the threads in the suit, the way things, the quality in which things are sewn, I guess I would say, is going to be the common thread. So you could look at a, a red single breasted suit and a blue double breasted suit and there, you'll realize that they're totally different, but the same tailor did that suit, I can tell from the quality of it. And that's the way we always think of ourselves as, as producers. So the quality is the thing, and also the way we sequence the album, because it's always nice when we get the opportunity to do whole albums where we can actually start with a song and end with a song. So in this case, the album starts with Sounds of Blackness, which we always think is our foundation and was the foundation of Perspective Records 30 years ago when we did way back. Yeah, so 30 years since Optimistic started, and that was the record that launched Perspective Records. But then we ended it actually going back even further with reuniting Morris Day and Jerome together, Terry's brother Jerome together, along with The Roots, who Questlove, blew Questlove's <laughs> mind to finally work with Morris Day on something. You know, it, it's just a nice kind of circle that, that happens. It's like the beginning and sort of the new beginning, I guess you, you could call it, you know, in a sense. So all of that is important. And we hope people listen. I know that they're going to download individual songs or, or however they, they want to listen to it. It's up to them. But I would love for everybody to listen to the whole album from start to finish. I would love for that to happen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. 
Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What was it like for you doing that track with, with, with Morris and LaRousse? I mean, that must have been emotional for you in a lot of ways. Tito, bring some tissue. No, it was it was great because it was funny. Questlove always tells a story when we first met for the first time. We had a group of, I think it was Solo, maybe. We had a group uh, called Solo. I think it was Solo. And we wanted, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Solo. It was actually um, Angel. Oh, Angel Grant. Yeah. It was Angel Grant. And I think it was Angel Grant. And we actually, uh, they were playing somewhere in Philly and doing a big outdoor thing. And we you know, we asked, could we come be on the show? And he was like, oh yeah, that'd be great. He didn't realize that we were actually going to show up. And they were like, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are here. Oh my God, they're they're like in the band. They're like backing this artist up. And it just kind of blew his mind ever since that, that point in time, just how hands-on we were and how much we cared about the artist. But we always thought our, our role was really to protect the artist, to make them look great. And that was the case then. But we met and we hit it off and he was shocked that we actually knew their music because I think that people thought, well, maybe we don't listen to hip hop or, or whatever, but we totally knew the music and we hit it off. So it was like a dream come true. He actually interviewed Morris for his uh, show that he does, the QLS show. And they were talking about that, just how his mind is blown. The Questlove always said that the gateway to Prince for him was the time. And we're 40 years since the first time album this year. But he said Prince, he you know, heard of him and he kind of heard his songs, but wasn't, didn't really get it. But when he heard the time, he was like, oh my God, I love this. These guys are great. And then, you know, somebody said to him, well, yeah, you know, but you know, Prince is producing all these songs. And that made him then go to Prince. So now we, obviously he's a huge Prince fan, but his roots in, uh, so to speak, <laughs> no pun intended, his roots in, in Jam and Lewis were literally the time. So this was a big full circle moment for him, I think. I mean, this whole album feels like a victory lap in so many ways. I mean, with all, all the friend, all your friends, all the people that you, you've worked with for, for so many years. I mean, it's just such a great collection. I, I wanted to ask you, how do you know when a song's done? Yeah, the, the easiest way to know when a song is done, I tell you, Jordan, see this hand right here? When somebody has a crowbar <laughs> and probably a, a gun of some kind and they come and pry it out of, out of this hand, it's like you never want to let your babies go, you know, um, <laughs> Like I said, it's it's very difficult because you never feel like it's perfect. I want to get this yeah. perfect. And so I guess, once again, if I make the perfect song, I'm going to have to quit because 
I'll be facing <laughs> that forever. The easy answer would be when they pry it out of our hands. But, but by, the way, by the way, I will say, you realize when we're producing, what we're doing is we're listening for mistakes. So as we're doing the songs, all we're hearing is the mistakes. What we can make better, what, how can we change this, how can we do that? There is a certain point where, with this album, where we felt we thought we were done with the song when two things happened. One was we no longer heard the mistakes. We could listen to the song from start to finish and not go, oh, we got to fix it. Oh, we got to change that. Oh, we got to. We could just listen to it and just enjoy it. That was one thing. The other piece of it, though, was when we felt we couldn't wait for the artist to hear it. Yes. Like we definitely. would get to a certain point and then we'd hear it. And we'd go, oh, can't wait for Tony Braxton to hear this. Oh, can't wait for Mary J. Blige to hear this. You know, can't wait for Boyz II Men to hear this. And that was the other thing that kind of told us that it felt like it was done. So it was more the feeling. We just all had a feeling that we were, we were ready to share it. And then even when we were ready to share it, as Terry said, they still had to come pry it out of our hands <laughs> to get it. Yeah, down to the last, oh, maybe the mix could be a little bit better. I don't remember who, I think it was, a, it might have been a Leonardo da Vinci quote, art's never finished, just abandoned. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. What's the, the best compliment that an artist can, can give to you when, you're, when, you're, when you, just, you sit them down, you, you have the final mix, you're doing the playback, what's the best response that, that they can give to you? Wow, there's a lot of them, actually. I, I can tell you overall, I'll give you one from just overall career-wise. One, one thing we always wanted to do was, we always did our homework on the artist. We always knew what kind of song we would want to hear them do. And so I remember working with Barry White. And I remember that we had done a demo for the song, kind of. A, we had done the track, but we, I kind of tried to sing like Barry White. And I'm on there like, oh, baby. And I'm trying to <laughs> sing, right? And it's hilarious because I can't sing, right? I remember when we got done, we played him the song. And he, the song goes off. And there's just kind of a moment of silence. And we said, um, Mr. White, are you, was, it, was that okay? How's it sound? And he said, he just reared back and had this big laugh. He said, oh, ha, 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 sounds like me. And we said, sounds like me. That compliment we've gotten from Earth, Wind & Fire, from the Isley Brothers, from when we get that compliment from, you know, the legacy artists that we've had a chance to work with. That to me is the, the best compliment because we've captured it. I remember even we worked with Lionel Richie and Lionel Richie laughed when we played, but we did a song called Don't Want to Lose You. And he heard the song and he just laughed. He laughed. He said, when he heard it, he said, oh my God. He says, you basically wrote my song. Like you took my song and just rewrote it, but it sounds coming from you, I can accept it. Like I could never write that song again, but you guys managed to do it. So that to me is always the biggest compliment just career wise, I think. And I think for our album, I think the, the moment that I remember on our album is when we were working with Boys to Men. And I remember two things happened. One was um, Sean uh, came to the studio. Uh, Nate in the group actually asked, could we put real strings on our, the song we were doing? And so we did a session at Capitol Studios, Historic Studios, right? And we have uh, Susie Katayama, who's our string arranger. And she did this beautiful arrangement with hearts and strings and French horn and all this beautiful stuff. The thing that happens in sessions like that is the string players will come in, play their part, and as soon as you say, okay, that's it, they're out the door. And Sean came to the session to listen to it because he hadn't heard the song in a, in a year or where, whenever they had done the vocals on it. So he's watching the string players and nobody's leaving. And he's like going, he's thinking, well, why, why isn't anybody leaving? And, and even Susie was like, you guys got to be quiet because I got to do these couple of other parts. 
But everybody wanted to hear the end of the song. They wanted to hear how it turned out. So that was kind of the first sign that there might be something special happening with the Boys to Men song. The second piece was he came to the studio right before COVID. He came to the studio and he just said, hey, how did our song turn out? How did it? And we said, oh, we can play it for you. And we put him in the chair in our studio. And in our studio, we are doing mixes. The mixes you're hearing now are stereo mixes, but we're also doing 11.1 surround mixes of all the songs. We played him the 11.1 surround version of the song, and he cried when he heard it. And what he articulated to us was that it was that feeling like everything, you know, we talked about time travel with, with music. His mind was going back to growing up listening to like the new edition songs that we had done and listening to the, those songs, even taking the name new, uh, the name boys to men came from a song we wrote for new edition. And then when they did their audition uh, for Michael Bivens from new edition, they sang, can you stand the rain, which was a song they wrote. And so later on in life, when we got a chance to do four seasons of loneliness and we got to do on bended knee, that was like, you know, a dream come true for them actually working with people who they'd grown up listening to. So now to now hear a song, a current new song that has all those same elements that they want in a song, you know, chord changes and great lyrics and, and modulations and, and dramatic effects and live strings and live instruments, just, it just made him cry. And he just said, I hope people understand this. And after being an artist and you're being told, you know, demographics here and analytics here and algorithms here, and streaming here, that to me wasn't the conversations we had. We just said, let's go make a great song. And I think he heard all of that in that moment and it just brought tears to his eyes. And so that to me is the biggest compliment is when the artists fall back in love with themselves, so to speak, because I think that's a good sign that the fans will fall back in love with them. Currently, not what they used to do, but now what they're doing now. And I just think there's something very powerful about that. An incredible track. Speaking of falling in love with yourselves, you you are doing something, this really cool series on Twitter right now, 35 years and 35 days, where you're going over your, your amazing career and legacy. It's been and so cool to, to watch the, the video clips that you've been sharing. What is there anything, what, a song, an achievement, anything at all, that really stands out above the rest as something that is just truly real. That 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 moment that that you were just describing for Boys and Men. What, what have you had one like that? One that really is just means more to you in your professional life than than any others. Yeah. Well, I I mean, for me, I'll I'll just say because Terry and I were talking about it the other day. So the song we always say it's tough to say favorite song because there's a lot of reasons that something could be your favorite song. It could be the actual process of recording it that's great. There could be um, the result of the song, how it touched people. It could be because it you know, sold a million copies or you know, top the charts. I mean, there's a lot of things to be favorited about things, I guess. But the song we, I guess I would put it like if there was a time capsule and you had to put one of our songs in a time capsule and then a hundred years later, somebody was gonna open it up and it says Jam and Lewis and you wanted to know everything about Jam and Lewis in one song, the song would be optimistic by the sounds of light. And so I think for, and then there's other reasons beyond that, but we were talking about when we went over to, when we talk about the international language of music and when we were in London uh, and, and did, uh, when they toured over there, we were there. And it's probably for an audience to connect to the stage. I mean, what was supposed to be, I think a 45 minute show turned into a two hour praise. Revival. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. I've never seen anything Safe. like it, and to know that songs we were involved with have that effect on people um, was act, was just mind blowing to me. So, so I think that would probably be the most impactful moment is seeing something live. I think in the studio, our most impactful moment would probably be Michael Jackson recording with Michael. Was, yes. Was, I mean that that was we were like little kids when he went in the studio all calm. This was to do Scream with um with janet and janet we were in new york and janet said okay i'll do my vocal after michael does his and we've said okay cool so michael goes in and does his vocal but he goes in and he's breaking every studio rule right he's wearing jangly stuff and hard shoes and just all the things that they say don't do in the studio right and the song comes on and he starts dancing it's like the tasmanian devil or something like he starts spinning and doing his things and terry and i were like we were like at the concert we were like ah Exactly. We were screaming like little girls, man. It was yep. like, it was unbelievable. And then it was funny when he finished, he just kind of calmly goes, how was that? <laughs> we're like, what? what? Yeah. We're kind of stammering and he goes, do you want me to do it again? And we go, yeah, yeah, Mike. Yeah. Go ahead and do it again. That, that, that's a good idea. Right. So Janet leans into us because she's sitting behind us and she leans in between us and she just goes, because we're in New York, by the way. She goes, I'll do my vocal in Minneapolis. Part of following Michael's performance. And then the funny thing about it was we went, to, we went to Minneapolis, we did Janet's vocal. When Michael heard it, he said, oh, Janet's vocal sounds really good. And we said, yeah, thanks. He said, no, that sounds really good. Where did she record that? And we said in Minneapolis, he said, oh. He said, I want to come to Minneapolis. <laughs> the ultimate competitor, even with his sister, right? Just the ultimate competitor. But obviously the song turned out great and, and all of that. And but yeah, that that was pretty much impactful studio moment for sure. We've we've had a few, we've had a few over our years for sure. Absolutely. Yes, you have. And it, it means so much to so many, including me. It's been such a joy and an honor speaking to you. Before I let you go, my, my last question. Name of your album, Jam and Lewis, Volume One, Volume Two. <laughs> Hope there's plans for that. What, what do you think? Is there uh, any time on the horizon for uh, for a sequel? I think we can safely say there will be a volume two. We've actually uh, already started down that road, but let's get volume one out. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. So the thing I said is, uh, like I always said, LeBron James, when he went to Miami, when he left, and he went to Miami, and I remember at the, at the big press conference, and he said, not one, not two, not three, not four. Okay, so... That's the way we feel about it. We feel like we're on a new chapter of our life right now. We're really excited about it. A little nervous, because I guess anything important to you, you're a little nervous about. But yes, yeah, Terry said, no, volume two is already not only in our minds, but already in progress. But really, we're charged right now to make sure that volume one gets the uh, love and respect that we hopefully it's deserving of. And uh, we want to make sure that's happy and, and make sure that the artists are happy. Because to me, it's an elevation moment for them. And it's a celebration, really, of this 35-year journey to get here. Yes. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, thank you so much for your music, your time today. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Gordon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? 
Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.